Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a podcast on all things playful and joyous in education. Well Played Podcast is part of the On Podcast Media Network. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, and speaker. Today is, we're in season four, episode 18, and we have with us a wonderful, good friend of mine, John Meehan. And welcome, John, back to the show. You've been on quite a bit, but if you could give just a brief little introduction about yourself, that would be great. Awesome, man. Uh, I'm John Meehan. So good to be back. Uh, I'm an English teacher and a high school instructional coach out here in Arlington, Virginia. And I wrote a book called Adrenaline Rush, which is all about game-changing student engagement inspired by theme parks, mud runs, and escape rooms from the good folks at Dave Burgess Consulting, who brought to you Explore Like a Pirate. That's true. We're like we're like author brothers. Yeah, I was. You know, like how I, I made a commercial for your book there, so like we can kind of you know uh, you don't have to brag about yourself. I'll say nice things about yours, and then vice versa. I really have enjoyed. John. I got to actually read John's book ahead of time and write a nice little blurb for John's book. Is excellent. Uh, book so hopefully everybody picks that up but uh enough glad handing because we we got to take some gloves off here actually it's not john and i aren't necessarily fighting i shouldn't say that but we are we're gonna dig in we maybe actually put gloves on because i think we're gonna put our hands in some ugly here i really do it's this is a dirty job wait i and I, i will say it to any of your listeners if you've ever had a chance to talk to michael in person he is exactly the same person you see on the podcast he is so kind so generous so giving of his time and usually so optimistic Except this one thing. Ugh. And today he called me and says, hey, I need someone to step into the podcast. Do you have a thing that we could talk about? I'm like, I do. But I don't know if you're going to love it. And he's like, all right, so it's your show, Michael. I will let you dump it on your readers. <laughs> all right. So, guys, 30, brother. Uh, so as John pointed out, he's like, you know, you the only time I've ever really heard you say you don't like something has been about Monopoly. And so we're going to dig into Monopoly, briefly discuss why ugh, and get why we're going to try to unsuck this game we're going to try to really make it better uh if we can our time parameters are here is the show is typically 30 minutes and i really could rant for 30 minutes so I'm, that's gonna be See, hard i'm, gonna, to just, I'm get, gonna cut it right here and here's why we're doing this i know this is like well this is like you know a little bit of navel gazing michael and i did an episode some time back and we talked about uh, the legend of zelda which is my all-time favorite Love it. And I could I could rant for 30 minutes on the starting screen alone. There's so much about that game that I just love. Um, but I said, Michael, I love that we did a deep dive and said all of the lessons we can learn for our classroom from this great game. So why don't we take a game that we're not enjoying? Because there are times in our curriculum that you have to teach things that you don't enjoy. Whether you're talking about, like, I don't know, gerund phrases or dangling participles. There's nothing sexy or fun or exciting about that stuff. But could we take Monopoly as a case study in the game that everyone's played, but it seems like no one really enjoyed, and say, all right, if we as two professional educators can look at a game and say, well, that sucked, how do we unsuck Monopoly? Maybe we can use those same lessons in our own classrooms. I like it. I just, oh man, Monopoly, (laughs) people, Monopoly. Like they're just, I don't know if we want to try to make... You so know. I want to ask you because I, it is your show, but like so to, to to tee this up for you, you've played a lot a lot of games. I say like behind me, I make it look like I have books. This is just pretend, I promise. Um, but you have a lot of games in your house. When it comes to like the number of games you you either have in your possession or your personal collection, it's well into the uh, I mean a lot a lot. Look at him. Hundreds? He doesn't like as an English teacher. He doesn't know a number that big. I don't want to insult. Um, get your shots in now. We're going to say nice things about Monopoly. Go ahead. But um... uh, Yes, I own lots of games. It's kind of a hobby, which I actually picked up as an adult. I mean, I played games as a kid, but not really like a ton. My family had the Monopoly game. We'd play it once in a while. And then 
uh, you know, some card games with my family. I don't know, then got into some video games in college, and then after college kind of stopped both video games and cards and board games for the most part. Picked them back up. Absolutely love it. I have hundreds of board games in the hundreds. You, do, you, do you own a copy of Monopoly at your house? Because before our call, you said, I'll do it, but I have to Google the Monopoly board. I do not sure. own a copy of Monopoly. <laughs> and I, I want everyone to hear this. That does not mean send me a copy of Monopoly. <laughs> like, I do not need a million different copies Hold of on, Monopoly. I know your home in fact, I don't even need one copy of Monopoly. Ben. Done. Fixed it. <laughs> nailed it. So why, why the strong feelings? Because you said you grew up playing Monopoly. And like in my house, we we had it. It was always our – we played it uh, usually on on New Year's Eve because it was a thing that guaranteed eat up three or four hours at a clip while you were waiting for the ball to drop. So like if you have to keep the family alive and engaged, well, let's play a game and a long game. No one's even really enjoying the game. It's just a thing to pass the time because you're waiting for your turn. You know what else takes time? Like painting your entire living room. I'm not going to make my like family do that to, to use up four hours. Ouch, man. Ouch. But I mean, but you don't have Baltic Avenue in your living room. Or I mean, okay. I guess you could. Okay. So like what I don't, well, one thing I got to tell you, owning hundreds of board games, not all of them age well. I mean, there's some that like, I loved this game. So like Monopoly, I don't like at all. Let's be clear. But there are games that I, I truly, seriously, like. it was top 25 for me 10 years ago. And then you play it now and you're like, Ugh. there's been yeah. a lot of improvements in game mechanics, game design, where like that no longer is top 25. It's by no means Monopoly. But, <laughs> but like games, there is like a, I don't know, an evolution in game design. And like well, with wanna, that evolution, wanna... sometimes you can really see the age of a game. I want to pause your vitriol there because it's good, and I want to, I want to give in to your anger. Your dark side will lead you Dang, back. To the look port. at this! I feel um, like this is your show today. No, man, I just I, I, I'm I'm turning you to the dark side, and I'm so excited about it. I cannot wait. Um, For those of you catching like, the video, you can see I'm smiling through it all. But it is, but it's, but it's one of those. Uh, this hurts kind of smiles. So like the 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 pain that comes from that is a is a lesson number one for teachers. That lesson plan that was good five years ago, that was good ten years ago. As soon as it needs to go. Like, I remember I was on a call earlier today and someone was talking about uh, Apples to Apples. Loved Apples to Apples. It was a great game. One of the first games I played that gave me the chance to make up the rules as we went. Hey, that's cool. It's a very, like, new sports, new games kind of thing. Like, play under the parachute or earth ball, right? There's no losers. Everyone just has a chance to play. And that's wonderful. Unfortunately, it, just, it, it, it sort of inspired generations of successors to that. And I thought about, like, a game like Cards Against Humanity. That The shock value, you play it for the first time. You're like, wow. This is really offensive, but it says it's a card game for horrible people and you put it in its own little little spot. But it has not aged well. And to the point where we're talking about things like Black Lives Matter and the Me Too movement, uh, racism, sexism, George Floyd protests. I'm like, hey, even making light of just because we're all in on the joke, maybe that's not a joke we should make anymore. And certain things, even if they were in my top 20 when I was 20 years old, maybe they need to go. And I think that's okay. Giving yourself permission to say this thing just because it was my thing. You have a mind. It's for changing. You should not do the same lesson plan 20 years in a row, even if it was great 20 years ago, constantly being aware of, hey, there are new mechanics. There are new engagement metrics. So I agree with you. Even though Monopoly does have like the biggest spot at the table, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's above you know, criticism or, or self-reflection. 100%. And I like your point about like taking that ethos into our sort of lesson design, you know? 
just because you loved a lesson or a unit 10 years ago doesn't mean it's works or works that way like either you have to be evolving that lesson and that unit with all the new things you know just pulling it off and saying hey well this unit's been great and i think about for me I've always done my Olympic unit. My Olympic unit is one my kids loved, and that's what got me into gamification, really, in general. Right, right. But even that unit, I don't just do what I did 10 years ago. You know, like, that unit has evolved. I mean, definitely that theme has been used. Some of the core structures have been used, but I have updated that unit in terms of pedagogy as well as game design. So I will ask you again to like get back into that anger, but I want to talk about updating and evolutions because there's been a million evolutions of Monopoly, which is pretty much the same thing. But now that is not an evolution. That is a change of clothes, my no. friend. That is a change no, is. of clothes. It, it is a new coat of paint. I agree. But they have the new Cheaters Edition Monopoly, and if you haven't played Cheaters Edition Monopoly, it comes with a set of handcuffs, and you're literally handcuffed to the board if you are caught cheating. But you're encouraged to cheat. Like for example, you roll the dice and you got a ten. Encourage you to try to get away with moving your car 10 spaces uh just kidding 11 spaces instead or when you are the banker can you steal for yourself 50 dollars extra little things to skim off the top because it was things everyone was doing already and it adds a new mechanic of, Whoa, oh what is happening at the Meehan house that everyone's doing <laughs> that already oh come on really You're, i mean like i mean I, maybe I'm you guys should really paint the fun. living room <laughs> maybe that would have been a little bit more zen but i mean i don't know there's maybe i feel like goofus and gallant here at my family's household Everyone was like, you know, talk about that Bartle test. The the griefer type, the people who play to to like just snipe the other guys and knock them out of the game. That player versus player mayhem, like Fortnite or Mario Kart, the guy who throws the turtle shells. That for our family was a lot of fun. It's three boys coming up and like we're fighting with each other, even for you know like there's nothing at stake. We just like fighting. So Monopoly, the only way to fight was really to get lucky with the dice. The strategy though. And that idea of, we'll try to do a little bit of player versus player. Now, that's an evolution mechanic. And that's an exciting thing. Because then if you get caught, then you're handcuffed and you're in jail, right? You're not allowed to roll the dice or whatever it is. I like that as a twist on a familiar classic that says, okay, let's add a little bit of mayhem. Let's add a bit of player versus player. So it's not just luck and it's not just math. Instead, there's a little bit of interaction. And even as somebody who's you know the socializer type, to laugh at dumb things we're doing together, that's, that's fun. I just picked up a game called Poetry for Neanderthals. And it's exactly that. You try to be a, a single syllable uh, sentence to explain what what the card is. Not unlike apples to apples or taboo. But if you mess up, the guy next to you has an inflatable club and he gets to whack you with it. That's fun. Like, because you don't take it seriously. So I think that that is an evolution. That's more than a change of clothes. And I think that Monopoly over 180 years has maybe started to learn a few things about that. Uh, so, okay. I'm going to venture forward. I will answer your question there. If Let's but, go. Yeah. But like, I do think we have to venture forward first on just saying like Monopoly, because that is the thing that everyone owns, like the Monopoly. And and when I said like change of clothes, I'm talking about how like probably about 10 years ago, they started like licensing Monopoly out to everything. So like, the, and they didn't really change the mechanics. It was just, they replaced Boardwalk with like Pebble Beach for the golf edition, right? You know, and then put like a golf theme you know paste or even worse the mickey mouse version or the Fortnite version or right. the legend so like Deliver. those are what i was saying is change of clothes they didn't really update mechanics on that they just sold out their their brand to like everything Ouch. else Ouch. okay you so, got me on the dark side uh, man i am I like i know man i know so why so why so give in to your anger young okay power, right? so why, monopoly why? i'm gonna tell you like if a game design wise why it's not very good one, I have to move forward with the assumption we are actually playing by the rules, but like 
most people don't, as you pointed out. Uh, and in some ways, the way we don't play makes it even worse. So we can get to that in a sec. But uh, one, I really argue that you don't play Monopoly. Monopoly plays you. And I'm not trying to be cheeky here. But let's let's break down a turn. Let's go. I'm like thinking. I'm a strategy guy. I like to like think through my options. Okay, what are my options? I don't know. I guess I have to pick up the dice. That's my option. I'm gonna roll those dice. Oh, like I wanted. I wanted a like eight, but I I rolled a six. And like, well, so I'm gonna go to Baltic Ave or whatever. Like, that's not what I wanted to buy. But the entire point of this game is to buy property so that you can leverage that property. So whether I want to buy Baltic or not, I should buy Baltic. Like that is statistically proven like you land on a property you should buy it whether it was part of your strategy or not buy it so like okay i didn't get to decide what to do i didn't get to decide how to move i knew that what i wanted to do but i i have zero control over that i landed where i didn't want and truly if you're thinking statistically speaking your only option is buy it even if you don't want to buy it then it's like okay i've built my empire we've i've got uh the what is the other one baltic ave and mediterranean i think so like, all right, I got both. I got the monopoly. All right. Now my strategy is I'm going to like charge you guys. I don't get to decide my rates. I have zero control over making you land on those spaces. I can't like set any sort of trap. I can't pay into some advertising where it's like, you think this is the greatest motel to stop at because I've paid some advertising. Dollar. Nope. Like I'm at the same mercy that you're just going to roll a six and hopefully land on my spot. Yeah. So... <sighs> The only like workable strategies in that game, which I'd still argue you don't have a tremendous amount of control over. Uh, the one is you should buy the orange properties. They are the most valuable properties in the game. Right, statistically, because there's a get out of jail free, or there's the get out of jail free cards that it puts you back on that street, and you then there's a so like, test card that will put you on St. James Place. Yeah. Over time, like you're gonna, you're gonna, that's gonna pay out more than owning Boardwalk and Park Place. But again, you don't have control over that. I could start the game saying I know statistically speaking, Orange best, and I could never land on them in the buy rounds. So, and then the other strategy, and this only works if you're playing with the actual rules. You could go with a house strategy in which if you keep four houses on your properties and don't upgrade to hotels. Yeah. Because the rules state you need a fifth house. You actually like buy the fifth house. The fifth house makes it the hotel. Right. Makes it the hotel. And if you keep all the houses and assuming some other people are building houses, there will not be enough houses to go into hotels. Correct. Because there's a finite number of houses. And so what you're doing is you're like, squatting on all of the pieces not letting them be used at other places on the board right but like that again that's not really a ton of strategy when i might not even i've spent whole games not even having monopoly so it's like i know i want to go with the strat of holding houses but i don't have a monopoly like i'm sitting here with one of this one of that i think to to take this back to the classroom then like you know, there's a great Bernard Suits quote from the 1960s. He says, all play is a voluntary attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles. That's what great games are. And the only obstacle Monopoly is, is, okay, well, we're going to play Monopoly. Now Monopoly itself becomes the obstacle because there's no volition at a certain point, right? Like, it is the dice that's rolling everything. And if the dice don't roll it, it's the card that says, now go to St. James Place. Now go back to True Spaces. Um, there is no strategy in 
letting the math decide it for you. When you look at Monopoly, it's really not Candyland. I've often said that you don't play Candyland, Candyland plays you in the exact same way. Because that game is, all those cards are sorted in the beginning, you then just draw those cards in order and do whatever the cards You know have. what's better about Candyland, though, John? I'm uh, like, Lord, Lord Licorice? Uh, I do like Licorice. But uh, I got to say, the difference for me in terms of my level of dislike, uh, one, Candyland is clearly marketed at little kids. Like, mm-hmm. we'll do anything for a little kid. But, like, yes. Monopoly's legitimately, like, we could be at the cabin with a room full of adults, and I have hundreds of games that are way better, and they're like, let's piss away four hours on this crap game. <laughs> well, here's my thought about Monopoly, and I want to talk about this, because back to the lesson plan piece of it. Like, so many teachers, when I'm on conference calls, when I'm leading trainings or speaking or, like, going to schools before COVID, like, and even now in a virtual element where people are doing dial-in office hours, hey, how can I you know, bring more playful engagement in my classrooms. You know, I'll talk about things like theme parks, mud runs, escape rooms, which is kind of my brand, you know, like the, the, the dopamine, the adrenaline firing, the pleasure centers in your brain to feel that sense of just throwing your arms up. Woohoo, I got this. And I was like, you know, it's like any game you ever played as a kid. They're like, uh, I'm not a gamer. And the first thing they say is, you know, I mean like Monopoly, but it was never really much. I'm like, well, you were playing the wrong game. Monopoly is See, a game. you agree, John. You agree. I, I, which is, I, I do not disagree with you that Monopoly, and it's and it's marketed in an inauthentic way because Candyland is a game to teach you about turn-taking and colors. That's what Candyland is designed to do. Um, you know, you get to go to Grandma Nut's house or Princess Frostine's house, um, like who used to be Queen Frostine, but then they re You know way it. too much about Candyland. You worry about yourself, Michael. Um, but <laughs> the dark side is, is powerful, but it also rocks. It has the force lightning. But... So Candyland is designed for kids, right? And it's this is a thing that you'll just do as four-year-olds. Forget for littles, fine. We trick people into saying you've earned the right to play big boy games, and now they play a big boy game like Monopoly. And the first game they play, I mean, you know, you love cooking. If you force kids to have vegetables and they just don't like vegetables, and you just sit there and say, "Eat your veggies," they're going to grow up hating vegetables and never come back to those because they've been forced to have them before they were ready. And what winds up happening is Monopoly is forcing down people's, you know, throats. A game with no choice. There's no consent. And I think that's so powerful a lesson for teachers in the classroom that says, don't force kids to do stuff. Give them meaningful choices, autonomy, ways to discover their own sense of mastery, their own sense of purpose. And if they want to create house rules that have a little bit of you know mischief or a little bit of ex- exploration, encourage and facilitate those things. So I agree that Monopoly is like the perfect case study of the bad game. And it's up to us to figure out how to make it less bad because there's some things in our classes that are just like, well, everyone has to do work, but we don't have to do it the same way. We're just waiting for our turn to sit there and say, I just did what everyone else did. There's no joy to that. There's no excitement. There's no, there's no love. Yeah. I, so when I consult and work with, you know, districts, one of the things I want to talk about is like, we don't have to play this game, right? So, cause you just said there, like, it's, it's our job sometimes to sort of fix the game right and like well what you know sometimes when you have big shoes to fill the best way to fill them is change the shoe like I, like like just right and but I'm a, and know when to cut cut it out and like both you and i are educators that definitely are are pd junkies we love to learn and love to try new things which means we're constantly evolving which on some level means you are on some level, not wholesale, but you are abandoning some older pedagogy. Like you cannot yeah. actually do with fidelity like mul- too many pedagogies at the same time. And I will point out that Monopoly, 
before it was stolen by Hasbro and everybody else. It was originally designed by like, I think it was a, a housewife in New Jersey. Maybe I'm making this up. Um, but it was designed to be a thing to teach people about the evils of uh, monopolies and the evils of capitalism. Uh, it was then co-opted into a thing. So like even the story of Monopoly's origin stories is, oh, a Monopoly came in and crushed the little guy who was trying to actually use it for an instructional purpose. It was supposed to be a teaching tool to like be anti-big business so that yes. the average American would see that like unchecked wealth is like a bad thing. See how it's terrible for the workers. See how John, he's just trying to drive his little car, but he keeps landing on my properties because I own them all. Because by the end of the game, there's one person, if you truly yeah. played it out, who's got all the money. And that's another problem with this game, too, is I think people think about traditional games as elimination games, like, oh, a game like Survivor. There's only one the strong can survive. So one by one by one, everyone else is wiped out. And in Monopoly, it's four hours later, and it's just you and your brother, even though you know mathematically he's going to beat you, just waiting to go around and just prolong the inevitable. Uh, your sister's been eliminated, your aunt's been eliminated, your uncle, your, your, your cousin. And it's just not fun at a certain point because that spends more time on the bench than in the game. So again, like lesson planning trick or tip number three if you're unsucking a game, you have to maximize the time in the game and minimize the time on the bench. Um, I think Hope and Wade King talk about that concept in their book, The Wild Card. And I love that as a concept. It says, hey, no more winner loser games. Rather, it has to be games that we all play together and that sense of joy and collaboration. And so many of those new like uh, European model games like, you know, uh, Settlers or uh, Pandemic, it's about like, even if it's not your turn, you're constantly watching how people are playing because the board is moving and shifting at every piece. Yeah, like definitely. I mean, a lot of the great games, they don't necessarily remove, like they don't have player elimination, like you said, that you'll play all the way out to the end. Uh, Settlers of Catan, good example. Like you can't, there actually isn't war in there. So if I built a house, even if it's my only house, like there's no way you can get rid of it. Like I will be in the game. Uh, the other thing <clears throat> that they realized is, you know like think you're you're an english teacher right so a book like to be a good book a, a good editor is taking out all the unnecessary leaving that that pure sense right but like the guy that wrote the book the, the woman that wrote the book like they loved to write they loved their world so they probably put in extra paragraphs here extra chapters here but really like the editor's like yeah like you, i got lost on this and i didn't care about that and so the good book got edited down to this piece and i feel like monopoly is a good example of again older game design where it was just like hey they're playing a game this was made in a time when there was n there was no netflix there was no like right there was nothing to compete for your time so it was like yeah let's let's make an a six hour game where you actually don't have to make a lot of choices uh but like good game design now realizes kind of playing on your bench time sort of idea here is even if there is bench time, even if I have some great games that there is player elimination, but the games that have player elimination have it, they've like mathematically worked it out that like 99 out of 100 times, you don't die until it's like 20 minutes left in the game or 15 minutes. Yeah. It depends on the length of the game. Like if right. it is a three hour game, you might only be out for the last 15 minutes. Like that, I don't really count that as player elimination. So I want to talk about that too, because like in a classroom, games like Kahoot and games like Jeopardy are like old school, even though they're technology, they're still old school in their design, which is there's one winner and then everybody else is the loser. And very quickly, kids who fall out of that mathematically feel like there's no way to get back in. So they just start spamming for points. They're just pushing buttons to buzz in. I, no I couldn't agree more. And I think I'm going to pause there because I do often say in my trainings, like using Kahoot, like 
think about why you're using Kahoot and maybe build your own game around Kahoot. Uh, and definitely for sure, please stop using Kahoot as like an assessment. Because as John's pointed out, the gamer inside a kid will tell them the only way to catch up is to be the one that gets the full thousand points. So I'm just going to hit like the moment that it comes around, I'm going to just hit blue and hope that blue's the right answer. Well, but then you as the teacher are going to say, wow, he doesn't know anything. Well, I, hey, I stopped, I stopped even reading the questions, but I've just. <laughs> and I think that's what, I mean, like, I think uh, the, the Magic the Gathering, um, Dungeons and Dragons talk about is like a rubber banding mechanism, like to catch you back up, even though you're falling out of it. Good games have that rubber band that say Mario Kart. Like, even if you're out, you're never really out. If you fall back in the pack, there's a way to get back in. And so imagine if you could unsuck Monopoly and, okay, you have a special power attached to your piece. Every time you make it around the board, you get to refresh your power. Maybe the car gets to move an extra space or the hat gets to, I don't know, re-roll a dice or whatever that this, looks like. This gets into, so teachers that are using gamification and are designing games, This these are called asynchronous powers and they, they are awesome game design elements, but it also becomes, it's one of the higher level game design to do because it's got the greatest chance of breaking the game right like john's like move one extra space maybe right now that sounds simple maybe that sounds underpowered to you but when we actually play it and we actually start to do the math on it it's like oh my gosh you know how many times one space away would have made you not go to jail or would have made you get that good property or stopped you from having to pay me thousands of dollars because you could go one extra space like maybe that's super powerful or maybe it's right. maybe needs to use it on every roll and it doesn't matter but that's the answer too is if if there's a sunk cost that says, look, this is a sinking ship ready. Let's just build a new game. I think it's to your point about Kahoot. We're not saying set up a new software. We're not, I, I, at least I don't think I, you're, you're saying that. I'm, I'm not sure. advocating set up right? a like, new software. I'm not saying that. I'm saying use the spirit of that playful learning that makes Kahoot engaging. Oh, it's teams. There's, there's some choice. There's some like competition. There's a little bit of like, you know, throw the other guy under the bus, see who can be the fastest. But don't just design a game that's like straight ableism, right? Who's the fastest in all things? Because there's there's students who learn at different paces. So give them the opportunity of choice and volition. And I think that learning from even bad examples, like misexamples, hey, Monopoly kind of sucks sometimes. Um, teaching gerunds and participial phrases isn't so fun. What can I borrow against? What can I lean on and say, I want this thing to always be accessible for all students. And that's going to take a lot of time and a lot of thought. But those old games, those old lesson plans, sometimes they just need to go. Yeah, 100%. And also like... The, the thing that we can learn, if I'm, this isn't going to necessarily unsuck Monopoly, uh, <laughs> but the th uh, w like life lessons learned or you know lessons for the classroom to learn from Monopoly is uh, all games, I should say, maybe not all games, but most games, uh, the, the mechanics they built, the world they built will eventually fall apart. Like it would, all, all the games that I'm saying that I have that I love, all, my top 100 at some point would break if you like doubled their time, if you tripled their time. Some would break if you literally added one more round of the game. It would like, it would get too wonky. Like some of the like higher powers you can buy at the end, kind of the hotels of these new yeah, games yeah, yeah. get way too super powered. Whereas like if you played for five extra rounds, it would break the game. So one thing game designers have realized is 
is the tightness of the game, the length of the game, and making it interesting that you have growth, that I started and I couldn't do anything, just like Monopoly. I started, I had nothing, I had my little car, my little top hat, you know, but eventually I bought a few properties, I traded a few things, oh, I own a railroad, right? And then you start, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and better and better, but like they've condensed that and paced it correctly for that. And one of the things I want us to think about when we build our units, sometimes we love something, so we're like, like sometimes we pick the Monopoly for our kids and we're like, this is the greatest game ever. We're going to do like a seven-week unit on like paragraphing. And kids are like, oh, like seven weeks on paragraph? Like no way, you know, but like you love it. So like, no, like be that good game designer, edit it down and choose that right length of time and have enough things happening. Like John's saying about agency. So they're making meaningful choices. They're feeling that growth. Like that is, that is such a good hit of dopamine when you, when you have that system where you didn't start with something, now you can do a little more. Oh my gosh, if I get one more thing, I could do a lot more. Holy cow, you get that end game bonus where you're like, I now make a bajillion dollars every time this happens. That's so awesome. It only is going to happen once or twice before the game ends because that thing would be too overpowered. But like that, that right time length is huge. I completely agree. And to the end of that, I would just say, I think Monica Cornetti um, taught me the phrase about self-hugging and that bad game design is just like giving yourself a hug. Like the goal is never to give yourself a hug. The goal is to welcome other people in with open arms. 100%. And so don't do that thing that's like patting yourself on the back. Oh, this will be so clever. Seven weeks. And then our utilities will be paragraph A, B. Kids are done. Yep. You know, it's not about you. It's not about your ego. It never was. It's about bringing people in. Yeah. 100%. So John and I definitely didn't unsuck Monopoly, but we did use it as a nice like little backdrop case study. I got, I'm got i going to put a challenge out to the community, though. If you want John and I to actually sit down and maybe do an episode where we unsuck Monopoly, leave it in the YouTube comments. Uh, this is Season 4, Episode 18. You can find it on YouTube. If we get, I don't know, I usually get like two comments on those things, one comment okay. on those things. So I'm going to say if I get five, if I get five I'm people... Five. And that does not include John writing in. All so right. Well, six if John writes alias? a comment. <laughs> six if John writes a comment. We will do this episode. I though I, I guess I will. I'm, I'll, I'll do even one better. I will mail you a copy of Monopoly to your house. No, I, I expressly said anybody does that, buddy. That's like. <laughs> then I'm nope. out. I'm out. I'm out. All no right. dice. Uh, all, right. all right. We do have to end on a sort of quote of the day here. We got a little. Uh, we got a good one. Obviously, it's about Monopoly. Okay. This one is by Eminem. I've never had him be quoted on my show before, but let's go, let's go with it. It right, says, man. I'm standing on my Monopoly board, and that means I'm on top of my game. So, Michael, as an English teacher, what I'll point out there is the possessive use of the word my. Eminem is even saying in the way that Monopoly is his game. There's choice. There's vo ownership. There's volition there. And I think so many people, Monopoly is just the game that they've been forced to play. But once you choose it, oh, that's very, very different. So I'm all about Slim Shady. And if he's standing on it and it's his game, I will play gladly. Uh, I I just love the quote is, uh, I guess I'm picturing sort of like a, a statue, right? Like if he's on top of the game, literally, physically, I'm kind of assuming he won the game. So he's on top of his game. I just like the double, doubleness there. That was good. Uh, and... There was a lot of negative Monopoly quotes, just so you know, when I like looked them up, there's a ton, because <laughs> the game itself. Oh Ooh. my God. There's a lot to work on there. 
Lots work on there. All right, uh, John, thank you so much for coming on Well Played. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. I just have a great time every time. You bet, buddy. Take care of yourself, everybody. Thank you. Yep, everybody, you have a great day, and I want you to go out there, enjoy the day, and play on.